Bueller. 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 Um, he's sick. Welcome to And Why Not, the movie podcast from the nerds who haunted themselves. I'm Stuart Moraine, and each episode I'm joined by a guest to talk about a movie that they love. This episode I'm joined by Penguin creator Alan Henderson to discuss the righteous dude himself, Ferris Bueller. And indeed, his day off. Uh, I hope you enjoyed the film talk, and as always, and if you feel like doing so, you can keep the conversation going in the comments on our socials, uh, and in the And Why Not face, uh, Facebook group, or wherever you see this episode posted. And now with all that out of the way, let's roll the trailer. It's getting pretty tough coming up with new illnesses. <coughs> it's a little childish, but then so is high school. Annie, you're not going to school like this. Call if you need us. They bought it. How could I possibly be expected to handle school on a day like this? Bueller. Cameron Dave. Get dressed and come on over. Bueller. He has been absent nine times. Bueller. My father spent three years restoring this car. I guess that's my dad. What are we going to do? What aren't we going to do? Why should he get to ditch? Something's going on. Hello Alan, how are you? Greetings. I'm feeling a lot better than I was um, a few days ago when uh, I was having a very positive day, as I put it. Um, or as I, as I texted my boss in the morning with, uh, I'm pregnant. And he came back going, what? And I was like, my, my, my test is positive. Um, so now I, I, I had the COVID. Um, I'm well on the, the road to recovery now. Um, still a little bit of a tickly cough every now and again, if that comes across. But um, but no, I'm, I'm feeling, feeling good. So yeah. Good. Yeah, everybody seems to be getting it at the minute. It seems to be the in thing, so it's yeah. weird now they've said it's gone away and we can live with it <laughs> yeah like, as i say I, I i was lucky it was just that i had one bad day and thereafter it's just been a sort of or it was a even even the bad day was just a bad head cold for me um and mrs h has had it as well now and essentially it's been the same for her um yeah. just a bad head cold but you're right they're now at the point where we're just saying well just everybody gets it and just get get over it that way i suppose um, yeah i know when i had it i felt fine while i had it but i felt crap before testing positive and then afterwards it took me a really long time to mm. sort of get back into the swing of things but when i actually had it i felt fine it was really annoying i would have rather have been at work <laughs> yeah because I, I don't like being sick so i'm not very good at it and it, it does my wife's head in as well so <laughs> <laughs> no. well, at least at least i have the joys of being able to work from home when i'm even when i'm 
you know, I always say that if people say, oh, I can't go into the office if I don't feel 100 percent. So I would say, well, at what percentage will you come in? You know, because <laughs> clearly you've got, well, you know, there must be a line there in that in that statement. You know, at 80 percent, would you still come into the office? Um, <laughs> but but I think you can lower that slightly even further when you, you know, when you say, I'll just work from home because you can, you know, you can dial it back a little bit. Well, or at least I can, luckily, and, and my team can when we're you know just sitting here on our, on our laptops doing whatever rather than being in the office. Yeah. That's it. Uh, I can't work from home, unfortunately. But, no. Uh, but. No, my rule's always been if I can get up and I can walk, then I'll go in. But unless I'm like particularly infectious, but because <laughs> 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 certain people, the like, like a sniff of an illness and it uh, takes them out for months. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. We we all have friends like that. So <laughs> well, yes. Speaking of people like that who throw a sickie. Yes. <laughs> It's almost actually like segues nicely <laughs> into your choice of film, which was Contagion. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Yeah. A uh, um, little bit of info about the film then. So written and directed by John Hughes, uh, starring Matthew Broderick, Mia Sara and Alan Ruck with Jeffrey Jones and Jennifer Grey. Um Released in cinemas on the 11th of June 1986 in the US and the 13th of February 1987 over here. Uh, gross $70,720,215 million um, on a budget of, or an estimated budget of $5,800,000. Um, like that's according to IMDb. Roger Ebert gave the film three stars out of four, saying here's one of the most innocent movies in a long time. A sweet, warm-hearted comedy about a teenager who skips school so that he can help his best friend win some self-respect. Um, yeah, that's pretty accurate, I think. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think it is on first viewing. I, think I've, I've got, I have a view about this as a who... The more you watch it or the older you get watching it, your sympathy lies with different characters throughout I was going to say, at what age are you rooting for Rooney? <laughs> well, I, was gonna say, I think this is the thing. I actually think you start off, you know, wishing you were Ferris. Then over time, you, you realise that you probably are Cameron. And then eventually you sympathise with Rooney. It's, it's kind of you know, the the lifeline that you go through with this in terms of, See, yeah. It's one of those things that everybody likes to think they're Ferris, but I think I fall somewhere between Cameron and Ferris's sister. <laughs> yes, I, I, as do I. I'm, I'm, I'm you know, and to, to the extent I should say that, I mean, I'm, I'm wearing my Detroit Red Wings top as, as we record this. Just uh, it's the closest I'll get to cosplay in, in terms of supporting these things. But um, yeah, I mean, look, it's it, it is a classic 1980s John Hughes movie, right? Um, Arguably one of the the funnier ones that he did in terms of the, the certainly the teen teen angst piece. Um, it's very you know middle class America. It, it yeah. doesn't give you the view of, of, of what really was happening in, uh, in in the high schools of America at that <laughs> point in time. But it, you know and you know clearly you know Ferris was was a very well off individual that allowed him to get away with a lot of what he did and achieved while um while on his day off yeah but you know it's it, it stuck with me for a long long time i have no recollection of when i first saw this i can't you know i, I can't tell you if i saw this in the cinema or not 87 let's think february 87 i would have been 15 ish um probably did see it in the cinema 
Um, so you're probably perfect target age for it, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah, that was going to be my first question: is where did you first see it? Yeah. You know, but so I. I, I then yeah. there's certain films in life, aren't there, that just seem to appear. You don't know where you first saw them; they've just always been there. That and this is one of the more quotable movies that that, that John Hughes produced as well. You know, everyone remembers specific scenes from from Breakfast Club or from from Pretty in Pink or Sixteen Candles. The but but this is the one that I think has more quoted lines from it, and I think you know you can actually tell somebody's age by finding out what the response is if somebody goes bolt bolt, you know, and if if their response is chickadee, then you you know that they're, they're the perfect age for watching Ferris Bueller Day Off, and that's it's quotes like that where you just go like go things like that have, have dripped into the psyche. You know, um, and you know, just uh, you, you always wanted a teacher just to stand there and just repeat a name three yeah. times over in the most dull, boring voice possible, and you you can know exactly where it's come from and exactly where it, where it's based. But yeah, so uh, to me, it's it, it just sits in that timepiece of being yeah, this is my mid-teens. So at the, at that point in time, I would have loved to have had the balls to sky for day of school yeah, yeah it's, it's um, the day off you dream of always having isn't it but yeah and and it's just and then beyond that going yeah and while i'm at it i can drive a car and i can drive <laughs> drive a ferrari for god's sake um and you know and and just have the sheer hootspot that he has throughout this in in terms of um of being a person yeah like i say i'm so much a cameron that it would never have happened for me <laughs> In my head, I know I'd have been all angsty like Cameron was and <laughs> and not down with it. But, but yeah, I think I must have been my late teens when I discovered this because I was just getting into film in a big way and I was on a John Hughes kick. Mm. I think the only John Hughes film I'd seen as a younger person or younger than teens was probably Weird Science. I watched the most and obviously Home Alone, but he didn't direct that. He just wrote it. Yeah. And the vacation movies. But I wasn't aware of any of those being John Hughes' weird science was just they created a really attractive woman with their computer. <laughs> yeah. Well, you had these, as I say, the, the, there was the issue, sorry, weird science. To me, I, I do I do recall Sixteen Candles and I, I definitely recall The Breakfast Club. Um, I'm fairly sure I saw The Breakfast Club in, in, in cinema. Uh, again, because that was, I was the, the type, the, you know, the prime target yeah. for it. Um, and the Breakfast Club is another one of these perfect ones where you claim to be one character when you probably are another, you know, um, and, and that, but that, that's the way that is. But as, you know, in, in terms of, of, of Ferris, it is he comes across as a really positive character to begin with. The more, as I say, as you go through life and actually look at him, you go, I, you know, he's the sort of person you wouldn't want to hang about with because he's just either too positive or too cocky too cocksure of himself yeah i, I, I always swing two ways whenever i rewatch it sometimes i'm really into this other something like is ferris bueller a dick <laughs> well there, there's that and there's so many contradictory things about uh, i think you know he's i love the fact there's a mini tie into war games in that he's able to go into the school's computer and, and change the number of days off that he's had <laughs> 
which I remember thinking at the time as well, but you know, everyone just believed that if you had a home computer, you could log into any other computer in the world and just change things. And you're like, you know, if he's got that ability, which means he's got a pretty high powered computer in terms of what was available in, in 1986, 87, and he's got a, um, a hi fi setup that Again, it's pretty sophisticated, and you know the keyboard setup is pretty. Yet he doesn't have a car. I'm afraid to say, if he's got all that money, he could buy himself a car and then leave Cameron in bed to just <laughs> bemoan to himself however he wants would be the would be the thing for that. And that, you know, so that's where there, there are certain contradictions in this. But if you try to start to you know physically unpick it. But yeah, it's it's just him and his positivity and the you know and, and some of the silliness that that comes with that. Um, and I think we all wanted to try the, you know, the was it? If you want a day off, start start licking your palms. You, yeah. you know, I presume I presume this is the sort of thing you've not uh, not shown the kids, so they they get any ideas how they can um, can get the day off school themselves. No, my eldest wanted to watch it for the twist and shout a bit, but he couldn't be bothered to actually watch the whole film, so <laughs> he just decided he'd YouTube that bit. Kids today and all that. <laughs> yeah, it's it does amaze me that Ferris gets away with. It. Because that's appalling, sick acting, bad acting. Oh, but he's, he admits that himself. He said, yeah, I, know. You know, I, I can't believe they bought it. One of the worst performances of my career. Um, but uh, look, there's, as I say, if you try to analyse it, <laughs> it, yeah. it falls to bits. In, in well, short, well, yeah, because so you're left with the horrible thing in the back of your mind of like, does Cameron get beaten to death at the end? Because... <laughs> He's not left in a good place. <laughs> no. Um, and, you know, I was going to say, you know, so at, at the end of the day, all the story is, is about a kid looking to Sky School. He comes up with a reason to manage to get away with it. And it's then about a couple of people, primarily the, the head teacher and sort of his, his, his elder sister, um, trying to catch him. Yeah. She elder sister, junior sister. I never quite, never. It's never quite clear exactly the, what the the age bandings are of these the, the kids. Um, and I'm not sure. You know, he's in his last year of high school, isn't he? And she's at that high school, so they're either the same age or she must be younger. Yeah. Or she's, she's been held got, back. But she's but she's got a car, so it's what. Well, What's yeah. it? She got a car. He got a computer. So. Yeah. But. Yeah, you know, it's so, but you know, and that that is the baseline summary of of the you know thing. The fact that they then put lots of funny scenes within the film, I, the vast majority of which I don't think you could achieve within one day. It has to be said. Yeah. Uh, not not least of which when you consider how far outside of Chicago he's meant to actually be living when you see them driving into Chicago. But um, I'll come back to that. The <laughs> Yeah, so the the premise is I, there's about a week's worth of activity happens in that day as well, but it's a lot. So there's a little funny scenes, and each of the individual scenes, as I say, end up having something special within them, yeah. and each of them has something that you want to quote or copy or or whatever, and that's what then sticks with you throughout, um, or sticks with me throughout in terms of this being the the super touch point for the mid eighties and, and and saying yeah, this is one of the you know the top funny films for me because that's you know that it's always meant something to me in terms of having those laugh out loud pieces at it yeah but as i say yeah the the thing about the living outside chicago it's having also 
I didn't watch Fast and the Furious 9. I skimmed through it until we found the Edinburgh scenes that are in it, just so I could watch the 10 minutes that they're in Edinburgh and spend the whole time just shouting at the television going, you can't turn on a corner and get to that street. How did they get from there to there? That doesn't work and all sort of stuff. And um, anyway, so it's it's this from a Chicago, <laughs> well, I've been to Chicago once, um, but I'm sure if you were somebody from Chicago, you would spend a lot of the time looking at this movie going, that, that none of that's connected. How do you get from here to there? <laughs> How do you manage to find the time to, to run around all these places? Um, but yeah. I mean, I do think it's a love letter to Chicago in terms of yeah. how he presents the the film. There's, you know, he, he covers all the bases from the, you know, the was it Sears Tower at the time, or or is that what it's now called? Um, through to the, you know, the art gallery, and um, they, they 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 don't do the coffee bean, but I think it does appear in one of the sort of floating shots over the, over the city and stuff. But the you know all, all of that's just just wonderful way of presenting you know, Char- Chicago as a beautiful city. Yeah, I do love that art gallery scene. I know it's only a tiny thing and it's not particularly a memorable gaggy one, but it's just I, I really like it. It's a really nice scene. I like how they've done it. Yeah. And LA Story are two of my favourite art gallery scenes in films. So how many, and obviously it, the Thomas Crown Affair. <laughs> <laughs> so having been to the art gallery and been in front of the Moy. Um, you you do spend your whole time just staring at the eyes of the girl to say, or I did, because I'm like going, I'm here. I, I can be Cameron at this point and just keep <laughs> staring at the girl on the riverbank, river, you know. And so, no, it's, I, yeah, I think it's a lovely break in the movie in terms of the, it slows everything down. Yeah. As if to turn around and say, you know, look, there's madness happening. And here's you know a nice calming little moment that that, that, that falls away um but no, as i say there's, there's other beautiful bits that, that just tie i love the restaurant scene yeah uh, and when he meets his dad and that it was only <laughs> only really up before this i realized it's exactly the same restaurant as they use in the blues brothers uh yeah of course it is which, and I was like, that's, you know, yeah, there's no real sort of mention of it. So, but it is that whole, yeah, it's the same restaurant as the Blue Brothers, um, which is a really sort of nice, nice touch in terms of how, how it connects Chicago movies together. Um, but no, the whole, I mean, that, that's because that, that bit where he's running around behind his dad, that's pure slapstick. There's no clever wordplay or anything like that in, in, in those bits. Um, and then, as I say, the, it, it, this is where they fit so much in. It, it's madness. The, you know, the, the scenes at um, at Wrigley Park for, for the baseball. I was going to say because they go to a ball game that'd take up a day. Well, well, yeah. well, not necessarily, but <laughs> it would take up a couple of hours. But again, I must admit, the first time I ever went to a baseball stadium, I was really wanting to sit there and shout out, "Hey, bada 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 bada, swing bada!" But you know, <laughs> I, I still do that. I'm not even at a ball game. That's one of the things that, have, as a force yes. of habit, I've always done. There, there's, there's I do it that. at work sometimes. I just stood there working, like swing, batter, batter, batter. <laughs> Kennedy, Kennedy, swing, batter. Um, <laughs> there, there's, you know, that, yeah. As I say, it's just quotable lines like that where you just go, that's that's the way that we want to do these things. Um, and then, was it they go to the stock exchange and the yeah. whole flashing the hands around, <laughs> which is again, it's just utter utter silliness. But each one of those silly things ties together really nicely in terms of, of creating a rhythm throughout the movie 
of um, of it. Um, what other things are we going to talk about on here? There's a character that we kind of glossed over, which I think is one of the the greatest characters in the movie, which is Grace. Grace, yeah. Um, and the scene where she starts pulling pencils out of her hair, which is. <laughs> You're, you know, you're going, just how many pencils does she have? Which apparently, again, was she turned up with that hairdo because she reckoned that it should be a 1960. And it was just John Hughes just went, how many how many pencils can we get into your hair? It wasn't in script or anything. It was just, let's just do this. And then the slow that came out, taken out. Um, so I really like that actress. She pops up in a couple of John Hughes films because she's in um, Planes, Trains and Automobiles as well. She's the yeah. car rental woman, isn't she? Yeah. Oh. No, no, no. Just, um... Her delivery of the line, you're fucked in that film. <laughs> <laughs> so I think she has one of the best, best lines in, in this as well, which is the whole, always oh, very popular Ed. His photos, <laughs> motorheads, geek sluts, bloods, wasteoids, dweebs, and dickheads. They all adore him. They think he's a righteous dude. What is so dangerous about a character like Ferris Bueller is he gives good kids bad ideas. Uh-huh. Last thing I need at this point in my career is 1,500 Ferris Bueller disciples running around these halls. He jeopardizes my ability to effectively govern this student body. Well, makes you look like an ass is what he does, Ed. Thank you, Grace. I think you're wrong. Oh, well, he's very popular, Ed. The sportos, the motorheads, geeks, sluts, bloods, wasteoids, dweebies, dickheads. They all adore him. They think he's a righteous dude. And it's the way she just thought was the richest dude. You're like going, yep. <laughs> you know, and it's, you can tell that that's just what makes Rooney get more and more upset about it. Yeah. And, uh, it's oh, it's just hilarious for that sort of side of things. I do love the phone call where the um, Cameron <laughs> pretended to be Sloane's dad. Show me the body. Yes. <laughs> just, just roll up and bring the body to the front of the <laughs> and that classic thing we've all done as a kid where you've said something you shouldn't say, so overcompensate the other way. It's like, I wanted to come out alone. It's like, no, no, no. I want no, you to no, be no. stood out there with it. <laughs> uh, again, just makes no sense in terms of how, at what point in the day has he gone round to be picked up to be taken <laughs> so she can get picked up to leave? No. Let's, let's not try to over overanalyze it. Um yeah, there's so many things that could have gone wrong, even with just the phone answer machines set up. Oh, yeah. When, uh, that, though, it's the bit when he, if, when he does get, well, not so much caught, when Rooney first works out, when he goes round to the house yeah. and he presses the doorbell and it's the whole speech piece that comes through the door, you know, and then he rings the doorbell again and it's the second speech piece. The, that, you know, that, that, that's brilliant in terms of, of actually but again you're like going if if the kid's good enough to work all that he probably actually you know and work out how to make that work from an electronics perspective he probably doesn't need to go to high school anymore <laughs> you know it's, it's it's fairly complicated stuff to, to set that up um particularly when you're running off a tape machine not, not off, off digital files um was it a thing in the 80s as well for high school kids to have mannequins it pops up in several different films, a couple of John Hughes ones as well. But it's like, what was the obsession with them having mannequins? I... Was it purely to stuff in the bed so you can pretend you're sleeping? 
it's a bit of that, and so you could under in weird science use them as the basis of uh, of animating well, a, well, there was and and the the film mannequin itself actually with Kim Cattrall in it. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, I don't. Yeah, know. I, I've, I've never walked past a shop mannequin the same since that film. <laughs> Secretly hope it's going to come to life and be Kim Cattrall. Oh <laughs> uh, dearie me. Um, yeah. So no, it's all of the different things that get delivered to him feeling sick. That's but it's when the nurse turns up. The nurse, yeah, I was gonna say, I love, <laughs> I love the fact that everybody in town is like, I hope your son feels better. <laughs> it's like even at the police station. Yeah, and uh, and even the water tower has got safe Ferris yeah. painted on the outside of it. Um, and then there was, you know, again, or the, the big sign at Wrigley Field with, with up, which they've done. They, they've when they did, if they do a charity night for um for various things, they they've they've put say Ferris on the uh and it's, it's part of the the, the deal for that. The fact um, it's made the local paper as well. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. So other scenes are great in there. There's that we haven't really because our throwaway thing. There's the so, bit where they're in the cab back of the cab mm. and they see the dad and then oh. when he looks across it's just Sloane. so i'm assuming ferris has never met introduced Sloane to his parents clearly <laughs> yeah yeah or or ever can now because yeah. she reacts to him which is funny but that but yeah the um, the whole scenes with the car when when they hand the car over at the garage yeah because that again to me is brilliant. You know, when when the guys and beautiful use of the Star Wars theme as well. Oh, that I was gonna say I've written that one down. It's the Star Wars scene, which you know, so the, when the car leaps and they're filming it from underneath. But again, do you see how far away from the outskirts yeah. of Chicago it's got by that point? I mean, that's that's a long way. <laughs> right? Well, they do put a lot of miles on it. To be fair, <laughs> they do. Again, all in the one day. Ferris is kind of an asshole, that guy. <laughs> yeah. The, the, the fact he opens with "Do you speak English?" kind of tells you where he's coming from <laughs> for a place of white privilege. Well, yes, yeah, very much. Um, but oh, it, it, yeah, the, the Star Wars scene where the car leaps and they have the whole introduction bit, and it's just the car just keeps on coming. Um, which is yeah, and a very nice nod of the way that um, that they, they put that together. Yeah. Um. There's yeah the running theme of of Dankajan. Yeah. Throughout the movie, you know, right from the initial shower scene through you know the actual the, obviously the parade, which I would say is the better song than than the twist and shout bit for uh, for your son. Never mind, that's just me. Um. It's it's even the fact that in the 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 uncredited um, Charlie Sheen scene, yeah, where where you know when he's when his sister's walking away, when Gina's walking away, she starts humming it as she goes down the stairs, and you're just like it's just these lovely lovely little touches. And I think the dad's singing it to himself it as well as he really sings it as well, doesn't he? At one point, or hums it, it whistles it. Yeah, yeah. Which is all out of sequence in some ways because a lot of those things have happened but happened before the actual parade scene and stuff and it's it's it's, it's just confusing from from that side but it, it just it means that it's this running thing that everybody knows. <laughs> I like to think uh, it's like one of those little earworms that's just 
inexplicably yeah. snuck around. It's a bit like when somebody starts whistling the Ring of Fire. I did it at work. I started whistling Ring of Fire, and then before I knew it, weeks later, it was still going around the office. Well, it's, so. it's, it, it's based on one of the cartoon strips that I did a while or several years ago now, and um, I'm still not allowed to mention the song in front of John Ottaway because it's stuck with him for weeks. But, you know, because sometimes songs like Rhinestone Cowboy stick with you. Yeah. Um, which is just, it, it was worth it. Um, the, There's um, worse songs to have stuck with you, to be fair. Well, other than that, Rhinestone Cowboy, all you know is the one line. And you, you, you just sort of hum away to the rest of it and then go, right, and then just sing Rhinestone Cowboy. Anyway, sorry, we've gone off track. I think since Springsteen did a version of it on the end of one of his albums, I actually know all the words now. Oh, I haven't hear, heard it so many times. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, yeah, so that, 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 we mentioned the Charlie Sheen scene, which I think is is, is a brilliant throwaway bit. That he, as I see, he's not actually credited in the, in the, no, it's, uh, in the actual movie itself. It's, obviously it's, it's also one of those things you're like, oh... It's kind of a shame what happened to Charlie Sheen, and <laughs> completely self-inflicted. But but, uh, but that, going back crazy. <laughs> just when he flicks his thumb up, when, when she's uh, she's threatening to say, you know, is that? You know, it's when he said, "Oh, there's, you know, feeling down. There's there's somebody you should speak to." Like, if you say first, you say you lose a testicle. <laughs> he just kind of. I love when she rings the police because Rooney's broken in. And then when she gives her name. <laughs> it's very nice of you to ask about my brother, but I'm totally about to be And I love my body, but the way it is. That's a pre-dirty dance in Jennifer Grey, isn't it? Yes, it's before she's had her nose done. Yes. <laughs> they say. Um, but yeah, Rooney's journey throughout this, though, is, as I say, you really have to feel, as I say, you know, he starts off knowing that he wants to catch the kid that's breaking the rules. And this is where I'm at the point in my life now where I'm like going, yeah, catch the kid that's breaking the rules, particularly the one that's shown off about it. Um, and then slowly but surely, everything that can go wrong goes wrong for him throughout the day. Yeah. All of which is in more, you know, is best summed up actually by the very very final scene for him, where he has to get on the school bus. Yeah. <laughs> and none of the kids want to sit next to him until it's one of the kids with these super super thick glasses going, and it's the it's the line about the gummy bear. Yeah. Like, They're extra warm. I've been sitting on them all day. <laughs> and you're like, yeah. <laughs> Well, can you imagine being in that state as the principal and having to get on the school bus? Uh, <laughs> just, yeah. And just as the kids, how much unpleasant that ride home would be. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. Um, I, dread, I absolutely dread to think. Um, as I said, we're, we're jumping all over the place here because it is. No, that's, you know, that's fine. That tends to be how these things go. I think that's the. Way, I don't think like, this I is rewatched a, the film this afternoon, and it's still like. It's it, it, it as I say it it has a running story through it, but I think it is one of these things that when you sit back and remember it, you remember it in scenes, and all the scenes are different. Yeah, it's it's kind um, of loosely strung together set pieces, isn't it? Rather than yeah, it, because it's it's like even the scene where he again towards the end of the movie where he's got to run back to his house. And you're like, how far away did he, how did he get back from Cameron's to Sloan's, by the way? We never really, anyway, by the way, um, 
But he's got to get from Sloan's back to his own house, and he's running through all the back gardens. <laughs> I do like when he my... goes back to introduce himself to the dinner. Yes, exactly. It's, it's the bit when he goes, out, he goes dinner's ready. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> he goes back. Um, but yeah, no, that, that's a scene I, I remember much more from my own. That, that, that's possibly the one scene I could actually relate to from my own youth in Edinburgh, when we would uh, run through people's gardens one evening. But like that. anyway... Um, not not through the houses like they did, but that's. Um, but again, it's a great you know, the the whole thing about his sister seeing him and then trying to chase him down. <laughs> it's the dad ending up behind the old lady in the car as she weaves from side to side and cannot see over her old own steering wheel. Again, it's a throwaway thing, but you're just like going, "This is crazy. This is brilliant," you know. Um, she's another one of those old, old lady actresses that appeared in I don't know how many things as as, yeah. as the old doddery lady. Um, That's the sweet spot in your career, isn't it? <laughs> if, well, if you can yeah, do all the cameos. Um, but yeah, so that, those are more probably all the sort of big points that I had. It was also probably one of the first movies that I ever consciously was aware of a post-credit scene. Yeah, I don't think I. Apart from like gag reels in, like Cannibal Run and that, I don't think I was aware of post-credit but, scenes. Yeah, they would the, the Cannibal Runs and that stuff. They were always while the the credits were rolling. This was yeah. you got to. Well, I suppose it's this is really part of runs the through credits the credits, doesn't it? And then yeah, and then the very very last bit, which is very similar to actually apparently again just looking it up this afternoon, a couple of things that appear in Muppet movies, but uh, you know. You're still here. Go home. It's over. Um, which again, it's just a lovely, sort of nice touch in terms of it. Ed Rooney. Ed, this is George Peterson. How are you today, sir? Well, we've had a bit of bad luck this morning, as you may have heard. Yeah, I heard, and oh, I'm all broken up. Boy, what a blow. Well, uh, it's been a tough morning, and uh, we've got a lot of family business to take care of, so if you wouldn't mind excusing Sloan, I'd uh, appreciate it. Well, uh, sure, yeah, I'd be happy to. Yeah, you uh, you, you just produce a corpse, and uh, I'll release Sloan. I want to see this dead grandmother firsthand. It's all right, Grace. It's Ferris Bueller, little twerp. I'm going to set a trap and let him fall right into it. Uh, uh, Ed, I'm, I'm sorry, did... You say you wanted to see a body? Yeah, that's right. Just uh, roll her old bones on over here, and I'll dig up your daughter. You know that school <laughs> policy. Oh. Uh, was this your mother? Uh, no, my wife's mother. Ed Rooney's office. Hi, this is Ferris Bueller. Can I speak to Mr. Rooney, please? Thank you. Uh, hold. I'll tell you what, dipshit. You don't like my policies, you can just come on down here and smooch my big old white butt. Ed! Pucker up, buttercup. What? Ferris Bueller's online, too. So do you, do you think they should ever have made, or will ever make, the sequel? See, this was going to be one of my questions. Because <laughs> um, there was always that thing that when Election came out that some people were choosing to look at it as like a unofficial sequel in which Ferris mm. gets his comeuppance and Ferris essentially becomes Rooney kind of thing. 
Um, it's been a while since I've seen elections. I can't remember yeah. how well that actually plays, but I I don't know where you'd go with it. Well, you see, because they've they've made the, there was a the TV series, didn't they, with the guy oh, who's in Diagnosis Murder. So, oh, it's got Jennifer Aniston's first ever television appearances in it as well. Um, I've never seen the TV series other than the, watching thirty seconds on on YouTube. In the yeah, last I week. saw a clip of something where they were like, <laughs> and, "Did you know they made Ferris Bueller into a TV series?" I think it was so, on Sky or something over here. I might be wrong. I might be misremembering. Um, you know what? They maybe did. As I say, I think you can find big chunks of it on YouTube. I watched 30 seconds and that was enough to me to say I don't need to watch any more of this. Um, they made the advert for one of the Super Bowls for a couple of years back. I think it was for a, for Honda. Um where it was basically him taking a day off so he could go out and drive his Honda around. Um, and they, they kind of played on it quite a bit for that. It's it's the sort of thing that... I don't, you're right, I don't know what they would do next with it. But, you know, what else can you fit in to, to the day? <laughs> there is... Um, you either do this, you say he is the parent, which I don't think works. There is the whole, where does he go? I like to think that where Matthew Broderick ended up after that, or Ferris... Is the character that Matthew Broderick ends up playing in um, the Tower or the Heist? Yeah. Uh, Tower Heist. Well, Tower Heist. Film's called. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't think I've seen that all the way through. <laughs> you know, where he's clever enough, but it's just he's you know he's given up essentially. Yeah. You know, it's almost it's, it's it's that sort of sort of thing. It would be. Yeah, I, I don't think they can make the sequel. I certainly don't think they can make it now because I don't think you could get away with having. Have a day off in much the same way. No, uh, I think as well with John Hughes not being alive. I think without John Hughes, it's. I don't know. It just doesn't seem it, right. It's such yeah. a John Hughes film that it would just feel like a pale imitation. Plus, some of these legacy sequels work. Others just feel like I liked it better how I played it out in my mind. <laughs> I think I was happier not knowing. Yes. No, I'm. I'm. Because inevitably, the, you know, if you've got thirty odd years worth of building it up in your mind, it's it's never going to play out the way you hoped it would. Look at the backlash to the Star Wars sequels. Yeah. It, well, it's all these things that you know. This was a movie, as we said, was designed for teens in the 1980s. Any therefore, any follow-up movie either needs to be designed for teens today, in which case the people who watched it the first time around aren't going to get it. Or you have to design it for people like you and I today, where we're like going, no, we would never get away with getting a day off. So why, you know, we're no, not going to support the, the character getting the day is, off. Is like you know, a well, he's not even middle aged now, but well, I suppose yeah, he is middle aged. <laughs> Still in that, you know, <laughs> anybody above the age of twenty is ancient. <laughs> but, but yeah, I suppose you do it. The only way you could play it is a middle aged man trying to recapture that one awesome day from his youth. Possibly, I suppose yeah. you'd have to have Cameron depressed or finally getting let out of the mental institution that his father <laughs> sent him to. Well, the other, because the other thing that they, they have suggested is, one of them is actually wait another 10 years. And it's actually that they're, they both end up in the old folks' home. <laughs> and it's it's a case of them wanting the day away from the old folks' home together type, uh, type possibility. Um, but yeah. I have seen Matthew Broderick live on stage. On, on Broadway, it was one of these yeah. ones where we're in New York, and you know, you go to that the, the tickets stand and basically say, "What are the cheap tickets have you got on Broadway for tonight?" Type thing. 
and I, you know, there was whatever array of shows and somebody went oh and there's oh, I see anything goes it was one of you know it was a small Broadway production of something and they said, oh yeah that's starring Matthew Broderick and I just turned around and said I have to see Ferris Bueller live on stage <laughs> I just have to um so yeah and he he did his whole Broadway song and dance stick which you're um you're like yeah okay fair enough um which <laughs> was was nice enough um but yeah so that, that was my I, I have seen him live on stage yeah i i, I have not but <laughs> <laughs> you know i i was going to be forced to see a musical of one form or another i thought I might well yeah you might as well get something out of it, get something out of it. <laughs> what box can i tick yeah <clears throat> resist the urge to just go bueller <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, he must be sick of that by now. There must be, you know, in in terms of the rest of his career. Of, of, yeah, of I other, suppose given other, other things that went on in his life, possibly he'll take that over some other things. Yes, yes, <laughs> there, there is there is that. But to be um, fair, he's, he's not the most prob- problematic person in the film, given Jeffrey Jones's, <laughs> and let's face it, Kirsty Swanson as well. Yeah. Throw him back to the Phantom episode <laughs> where she that's... went all Dean Kane. It, it says something when even that's not your worst thing. <laughs> the, the Jeffrey Jones thing is. <laughs> Although I'm not sure where that ended up in the end. I, I didn't really follow it. He freaked me out as a kid in Howard the Duck. So. Yeah. I yeah I think he received whatever charges whatever but seemed to get off with them um, with a fine and not an awful lot else. Yeah. It still seems to be working, which is. Unexpected, but well, it is what it is. <laughs> Again, there's there's others that have done worse that still seem to be able to uh, work and get plaudits for it. So. Yeah. But anyway, that, rather than than, <laughs> than finish on the low points. <laughs> but no, I mean, um, like I say, I mean, I never, yeah, with the TV series, I never saw it. I don't, I don't know if you could do a legacy sequel as a TV series. Like a limited Ferris Bueller, Matthew Broderick series, but I don't know where they would have gone with the TV series. I think it's the, the whole the selling point of it is that he's his day off. Yeah, I think it just becomes a family drama at that point. Yeah, yeah. just is he that interesting beyond? Because no. you know he's such an incredibly popular guy. Where's the drama? Yeah, I think it would just be him and his sister at each other's throats all the time, and that's about it. And, and even then, that's kind of resolved by the end of the movie. Um, I, I kind of feel Phineas and Ferb carried it on better with uh, Candice. Whether, I don't know whether they've ever admitted it or not, but it's clearly got to be based on Jeannie from uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, in that she's always trying to catch her brothers doing crazy, yeah. kind of crazy adventures. So, or at That'd least trying some... to get her parents aware of it. <laughs> yeah. Or, or this is the thing. There, there is very little in terms of the, the core premise of this movie that's new, right? Yeah. Of family dynamics of of sibling rivalries and um, you know one-upmanship on on adults is is just it's just a natural way of things in terms of many a um, many a movie of uh, that, that gets made. So from that piece, it's very you know it's quite a very simple premise. It's just the the fun pieces of it and the things that you remember about it. Are all related to the way that each of the individual characters are played, the the use of music throughout. The fact that they never released a soundtrack is is astonishing. But that's you know, um, it, it, Yellow became huge for me as a as a as a sound throughout the <laughs> throughout the eighties. <80s. laughs> 
partially connected to the oh yeah, you know, and the, the use of that, that 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 sound clip throughout. Um, again, something that has been parodied to. I mean, I think suppose, how do you how do you measure the success of a movie? And I suppose it's where where it's become a cultural touch point for other things, you know, and, and has had you know degrees of parody put against it. And there's the the number of scenes that get parodied in you know from Ferris Bueller in in all sorts of things. There's that um, we, we talked about the gallery scene earlier. I'm sure there's a Family Guy ripoff of that, which is yeah, you know, I think there is. is is beautifully done. You know, and, and it, it's and got the Deadpool doing the uh, tag at the end. Yeah, exactly the same. Um, pretty sure no um, one of the Spider-Man films sort of riffs a little bit on the back garden scenes. Yeah, I'm, where he's trying to get back into the city to get it must be the first, is it uh, homecoming? I can't remember which order those films go in there. Yeah, and uh, as I say, that and, and, and I say the use of yellows, oh yeah, and all that sort of stuff is all, again, it's, it's repeating it. So it's it is you know it's heavily parodied. And if parody is the you know it, it is one form of um, uh, you know representation of you know being liked, then that's that's definitely. You know, it, it carries high on 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 that basis. Yeah. No, it's. I mean, it does. It's one of those films that I don't know because I sort of grew up with it. It doesn't feel like it's aged that badly. It doesn't look that eighties. It's very eighties, but it doesn't look it kind of thing. There's some films you look at, and you're like, yeah, I'm smack bang in the middle of the eighties. I suppose it has, but like I say, I'm sort well, of looking at well, it with that timeless nostalgia tint. So. Well, I suppose there's, there's there's a mix there in the the way he dresses his bedroom and, and with all the big flag on the wall and, and all that sort of stuff. Flag and... You know, there's some of that just goes round in circles, and that's that's the new retro today. So kids today like that. You know, his so bedroom very much reminds me of my cousin's yeah. when he was that sort of age in the eighties. Yeah. Uh, except it was more Iron Maiden and stuff, because they were. They live yeah. in a house a bit like the Ferris Bueller house, but an English equivalent. So, mm. um, so I think you know that that doesn't look aged. A lot of the technology is a little aged. Yeah. Um, but um, and and as I said, some of that you green screen say, computers always ages a film. <laughs> <laughs> it does, but you know, but as I say, just uses the tapes and and <laughs> um, you know some of the sampling technology that he uses. <laughs> In fact, does he not pull out a three and a half inch floppy disk at one point as well? I think he does, in, yeah. Which I, I miss three and a half inch floppy disk. That's by the way. Um, <laughs> the but, but everything else you could, uh, you know, so could they remake this movie today? Yes, they could. Do should they? No, they shouldn't. Um, I think I, it's one of those films that the mobile phones kind of ruins. Well, no, because you would put a sequence on about mobile app, uh, mobile tracking app, where he's connected it to the dog, and the dogs, you know, so the dogs always run yeah, the house. Yeah, I suppose. So they would just say, "Are you there?" Well, yeah, you know, where, where's the, where's his phone? Oh, yeah, it's connected, you know, and there'll be it will jump from one app to another app to another app, wherever to say the no, and it's wherever the you know wherever the dog is or something like that. There would, yeah, there'll be something of that. Yeah, that that's all you would have to do to get round that. Um, people will surely know now as well that you can't just put a car in reverse to take the <laughs> to take the miles. <laughs> that that was the bit where I was like, "You're so intelligent," but what? 
are you going to just dip it in reverse for that length of time? Uh, but yeah, that's that, that's the that's one, one of those things you like. probably believe as a kid though. If you didn't have a car, if somebody told you with enough confidence, yeah, you just run it in reverse and it takes the miles off. It takes the miles off. Well, why wouldn't it? I mean, like, that makes yeah. sense. I think the whole thing about the drive home in reverse. <laughs> <laughs> the um, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, you know, for for cars of that age, I'm still not convinced you, it wouldn't work in some ways. There's a bit of me that still wants to believe it, uh, but um, yeah, the, the desperate things you'll try as a kid, though, to be fair. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> to, to I see all the evidence. Yeah, I, I think it could, you know, it, it hasn't aged that badly at all. Um, it, it, yeah, I don't think it needs remaking. I think it no. still stands perfectly fine as it is. Um, first, I don't think there's anything new you could add to it. I mean, it barely adds anything new to itself in the original form. So. <laughs> and I mean that in the nicest possible way because it is just a really nice, sweet film to watch. Yeah. At, it, at its heart, like you say, on repeat viewing, you start to notice more things. But on a first few viewings, it's like it is a sweet film. He's very sweet in his relationship with Cameron. Again, as you sort of rewatch it, you're kind of like, it's, it's starting it's to feel a little bit more like he's just using the guy. <laughs> he believes him horrendously, you know. And yeah, and and we've not talked about the fact that you know Alan Rock at the time was. Ten years, senior, yeah. ten years senior of Maya Sara when he's talking about the fact that she was changing by the pool and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Um, but no, I think... It, all right. I do like that his old, his uh, grown man voice is exactly the same both times he uses it. <laughs> Wait, so you have called the funeral parlour. Welcome, we can't come to the phone right now. Uh, he's pretending to be the cop as well in the, in the restaurant. <laughs> Sausage King of Chicago. That's up there. Yeah, you see, there's things. Every, all, all these little throwaway lines. And, you know, you and I sort of exchanged this the other day there as well, but, you know, both of us wanted to just do the whole, you know, when Cameron was in Cameron's land, let my Cameron go. And so, you know, if you're feeling sick and lying in bed, that's what you want to sing to yourself. I love the way those two scenes cut together where he's on the phone to him, where it's all jolly and Hawaiian tropical music on Ferris's end, and then it's just like doomy music on Cameron's end. <laughs> I'm dying. You're not dying. With the four <laughs> wave <wave-wave-wave. laughs> But, uh, oh. Because that, that's another one of these, how does he fit all in? If you actually follow those opening sequences, I don't think Ferris Bueller's wearing the same outfit in any of them. So he changes every single time. You know, he comes out of the shower, plays the clarinet with no lessons. <laughs> um... <laughs> I love that bit in the shower as well where he just covers the camera so he can <laughs> wash himself. <laughs> it's such a teenage boy thing to do. <laughs> but it's, it's that only over there, you know, you know. So John Lennon thought he was bigger than God. But then again, he was the walrus. And that's, you know, like, what? Um, yeah. So and this is yeah, so what all we've done here is said look there is an array of hundreds of little quotes. Do it. I mean I'm intrigued about the fact that your son wouldn't sit through it <laughs> in some ways. But the if people have never seen this, this is as I say, I'd go watch it as a perfect representation of the mid 1980s, where 
opulence is king, um, where you know people thought they could get away with whatever they wanted, and and in this case he does, um, and you'll recognise so many quotes from it that get used in 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 all sorts of pastiches nowadays that it's worth picking up from that perspective. <laughs> the danger with that though is people it's just that bit from Family Guy, it's just that bit from Deadpool. <laughs> It's yeah. a bit like what the um, John Carter movie suffered with when it finally came out. It's like, well, he's just ripped off Star Wars. This is just ripped off. It's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> I mean, yes, but. <laughs> and I, yeah, I do, well, and I do wonder how many of the bits of this movie are just ripping off other bits as well. Like, well, the Star Wars scene in this is just the Star Wars scene. But it's a really nice way of. I was going to say, that was such a great homage way to do it, though. Yeah. If, if you're going to go for that shot, it it just seems obvious now. <laughs> yes, yeah, it's almost like the, this is the homage that will now get homaged. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure they ripped that off in Family Guy as well, or homage it rather. It's been a long time since I watched Family Guy. <laughs> I must admit, it's been a while for me as well. Speak um, of things you grow out of. <laughs> or again, it's just that you know when you watched four or five, six seasons of it, you suddenly go. Yeah, what 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 other new jokes have you got to tell me that that's different? It's like South Park as well. Yeah. I can't believe it. I can't believe that South Park's still going. I remember, I remember it when it first came out. So do I. Uh, and 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 going at the time, loving it at the time. Going, this is new, controversial. Also, but you're like, I loved it. I bought the album. I had some of the stress toys. <laughs> you know, um, yeah, I've got. Yeah, I too have Chef Aid as the as the album and. Um, and, and I, th- same... I think I've got a, a stuffed Timmy somewhere in the loft. <laughs> you you did well to say Timmy by saying Timmy and not saying. Yeah, yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not sure it's okay to have a stuffed Timmy anymore. To be fair, <laughs> not sure it was okay at the time. To be honest, but it's just one of those things I ended up with. Um. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Was it Ferris's parents got married in real life? Um, yes, I believe they did. Briefly. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think uh, they uh, stayed together. But yeah. Well, this is well. So Matthew Broderick and Jennifer Grey had a relationship in real life post the movie, which is a bit weird because that's yeah. Ferris and his sister together. Um, but yeah, no, the, the two parents actually did marry in in real life briefly. Um, and yeah, there was the, there was a reunion special that again is available on um on youtube that uh, was done in the last couple of years because it was all all zoomed in type thing well well people were oh uh, one of those those lockdown reunions that everybody suddenly yeah. started doing and it's you know what it's quite good because they, they also get um ben stein into it who is the economics teacher teacher yeah who teaches the udo economics anyone anyone udo economics <laughs> Voodoo economics. Um, I love these little bits. They're great. Anyone? 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 Recession. (laughs) He he was brought in, not as to 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 act it, but actually was brought in to sort of like write some of the stuff about the economics because he actually knows economics. Yeah. And they went, God, you're so boring. We actually need you just to present on the stage. He's popped up in a couple of films, and I'm always just whenever he comes on screen in my head, all I'm hearing is Bueller, Bueller, Bueller. 
it's the it's the kid who's wakes up with the drool on the desk <laughs> at that point as well. He's like, what? What's going on? <laughs> it's the bit where um, Ferris rings into the school on, or is speaking to the guy on the payphone. Yeah. Put somebody else on. <laughs> Hi, Ferris. You coming out this weekend? <laughs> Hold on a minute. And he puts the voice the same. Oh, I've just brought up a lamb. <laughs> well, you right for the weekend? It's like, yeah, I should be. <laughs> It's, but, um, it's how jovially he sounds when he rings uh, yeah. Rooney. Yeah. When he thinks he's um, on the phone to him already. Yeah. It's, At least put again, on a sick which you smoke twat. It, it's, the, it's the bit where Grace takes over the phone at that point <laughs> and covers for <laughs> Oh! <laughs> just, as I was saying, she's, she's an underrated element of this movie in a big way in terms of, you know. Um, uh, what is it she says to him? Oh, is it something along the lines of try not to ask the any dead people or something like that, isn't it? <laughs> I, I like her little bit of sass with him. She's like <laughs> on his side to begin with, and then he's it's, fucked up. It's the, he's got Sloan in on this as well, doesn't it? And the grandmother too. Which is the better bit of it? Really. That whole thing where he picks Sloane up and then he fucking snogs her. Yeah. The fact that Rooney's like, so that's how it is in that family. <laughs> that scene you couldn't put in a remake. No, no, we'd have to. Uh... <laughs> we'd have to re- rethink about that one in some ways. Um... I love how fast his car gets towed as well. Oh. But no, it's, as I say, it's what's other, but again, it's the Ferris Cameron piece. Where it's the whole him going, ah, I'm disappointed in Cameron. 20 bucks says he's in his car right now. The big way he comes, <laughs> he'll keep calling me. He'll keep calling me. And he'll come over and says, I'll go, I'll go, I'll go, I'll go, I'll go. <laughs> <So like, laughs> the number of times I've sat in a car, you know, thinking, oh, I can't be bothered going to this thing. So I'm okay, I'll go, I'll go, I'll go. You know, again, it's just, just taking straight from that. Uh, I do that. I get horrible anxiety about going places, even places I know I'm going to enjoy. I do that thing where I sit in the car for a bit and be like, "What excuse can I get used to get out of this? I don't have to go." But uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> try to see if there's any other amazing quotes in this bit there. But yeah, no. Anyway, that. As I say, I loved rewatching it again. It's 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 one of these films that I find very quotable, and then rewatched it and went, ah, I've forgotten so much of the bits. Yeah. But, um, John uh, Hughes was great at what he did. Some of his there seems to be two camps of John Hughes films now of like you know that did not hold up well at all. Breakfast Club. Because um, my problem with the Breakfast Club now is I'm like all these people are assholes. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not sure I can root for any of them anymore. It's like I'll always love Anthony Michael Hall because of the Dead Zone TV series, but <laughs> but yeah, and um, then there's the ones that like this, planes, trains, and automobiles. And there's a couple that I won't go back to, like he said, she said, and she's having a baby. I always remember yeah. really liking those, but I've never quite been able to bring myself to go back to them, <laughs> just in case. I but, think uh, you've got a bigger donor in Breakfast Club than I have, I think, in terms of my... But maybe that's just me Again, it might have been than... the mood I was in the last time I watched it, because sometimes I'll watch Ferris Bueller's Day Off and be like, this kid is a prick. If I oh, met him, I... I'd hate him. <laughs> but this is the thing, you go, into, you go into Breakfast Club, 
and you say right i want to be the judd nelson you know he's the cool character he's the one that's you know up against the man but you're right you end up saying i'm not i'm not even the jock either am i in fact i'm probably ali sheedy i was gonna say I'm, I'm either anthony michael hall or ali sheedy or somewhere between the two again <laughs> you know you're like, uh i'm not, not as cool as i thought i was am i <laughs> so have you seen that john hughes documentary I don't think it's been released over here officially. I don't know whether it's actually available to watch anywhere. Mm. It's, it's meant to be quite good, if a little bit fluffy. Yeah. Because I, I know there have been, not controversies with him, but some people had issues with him. I think Molly Ringwald had some issues with him in retrospect. All right. Um, but I don't think that's covered in the documentary. I would like, quite like to see it, because like I said, I was on a big John Hughes kick in the late 90s when I was getting into film, I think because they got mentioned in a Jane and Silent Bob film. Yeah. I think they mentioned him in Chasing Amy. I, say they're going off to Sherman Oaks. Uh, you know, Kevin Smith doesn't have a career without John Hughes. No. <laughs> you know, um, he does No, more. to be fair, Judd Apatow probably doesn't either. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's nothing again. I mean that in the nicest possible way. Yeah. But I, was, I would say the View Askew universe is, is, is just set up, has been the next follow on from yeah yeah because the john hughes films were all meant to be interconnected in the way that they were all set in or around sherman oaks weren't they yeah yeah so that's yeah i i you can tell that there's a big reverential between kev smith and uh and john hughes at that point but yeah yeah but i was like it's like with with 16 candles or i'm sorry with pretty and pink i should say you think that you're going to be the the cool guy but you probably are just ducky you're ducky yeah and, and things like that there's amazing, I think it might have been a Nerdist podcast where they were talking to John Cryer and he was like, if you had a band, it'd be No Coke for Ducky. <laughs> <laughs> That's such a great band name. <laughs> oh, dear. But yeah, anyway, that, anyway, that was Ferris <laughs> yeah. Bueller's Day Off. Yeah, I mean, uh, like I say, we've, we've covered sequels, <laughs> franchise in it. Um I suppose you could do a John Hughes legacy sequel to all of them. Just have them all come together. <laughs> Maybe a, a little less. Is it 16 Candles has got the dodgy border? Well, it is kind of a rapey scene, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe skim over that stuff now. But, is that Kirk Cameron in that one? can't remember. It's been a long time since I've seen 16 Candles. Time as well. Yeah. Again, it's... It was never it's... one of my favourites, I must <laughs> I, you know what? It's partly because it, again, it's an Americanism we don't really get. Sweet Sixteens as part of yeah. our, our our ethos over here. I think it was well, the early days of what is now Comedy Central. Was it Paramount Comedy Channel then? On a Saturday night, used to show old eighties comedies. So hmm. like, um, I love you to death, or usually a John Hughes one. I'm pretty sure Sixteen Candles was one of those that they used to show in heavy rotations. So that used to be when I'd see that. Right. Um. Uh, I think I've got it on Blu-ray, but I've just never got around to rewatching it. <laughs> um, mm. Again, I think I was going through another phase of having a John Hughes kick. I think I watched a couple and sort of lost interest. <laughs> I think that's, I'd that's probably I'd go keep, Uncle... keep them safely in nostalgia. Yeah, I think I'd go Uncle Buck next, actually, in terms of my, if I was going back to doing the run through John Hughes. I always forget about Uncle Buck. I do like Uncle Buck. That was on telly the other day. I yeah. ended up watching some of it until I was like, we're not watching this. I was like, all right, fine. <laughs> I got to see the bit where Macaulay Culkin's grilling him. <laughs> yeah. You ask a lot of questions, I'm a kid, it's my job. 
that's, but, that's yeah. another. He's just such a quotable writer, John Hughes. He clearly knew how to do that. Well, given how fast he allegedly knocked scripts out as well, in that he'd knock them out in a weekend. Yeah. Which is just insane. <laughs> I can sometimes sit staring at a four panel script for a weekend. <laughs> <laughs> But but yeah, it's a it's a yeah. I always used to like seeing. There's always usually old interview footage of him pops up on extras on DVDs. He's a man who very much enjoyed what he was doing. Mm. I think yeah. unfortunately he dropped out of favour towards the end. I think Curly Sue was was that his last film as a director? The one nobody watched. Mm. Yeah, yes. I remember when he died. I remember being very sad when he died because. Not so much my childhood, but as a young teen, Weird Science felt like a raunchy sort of film. So you liked that as a yeah. as a teen, and then yeah, later in life, sort of discovering the films. <laughs> you know, like, I wish my childhood was like that. I wish I bunked yeah. school like that. When I bunked <laughs> school, it was shit. I was gonna say, well, if if you had, as a, I go back to it, if you had the middle <laughs> in, middle class white privilege that Ferris Bueller had. You too could have enjoyed a day off like that, I'm sure. Well, yeah, but, but the other thing was when I was at school, we didn't drive cars. <laughs> mm, no, exactly. And yeah. So a good chunk of my Ferris Bueller's day off would be, be, be me on buses. <laughs> <laughs> mine, mine too, as we said. Would, uh, I'd be on your, on your bike cycling around places. Going, What's the I certainly wouldn't have spent any time in an art gallery. When <laughs> no, yeah. Or in a restaurant, because they were boring as a kid as well. It's fine when you're eating, but it's the waiting for the food as a kid. It's the most tedious oh, thing. You would have been going to McDonald's and that's about it. Or yeah. uh, actually, in the 80s, it still would have been a wimpy. So <laughs> yeah, quite possible. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, it's it's that wish fulfillment, isn't it? Though I do like movies that are, that are like set in a day, and it's an idealized version of what that day could be. Mm. But mainly because you know you can. I mean, <laughs> Now I'm lucky if I could fit two of those things into a day. Yeah. yeah. That includes the having a shower bit. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be the trouble with a Ferris Bueller sequel now, isn't it? It'd be so long for him to get out of the house. <laughs> well, well, well that, the sequel should be, you know, it, it's the uh, Ferris Bueller's week off. Or I suppose yeah. it's the... <laughs> it's, yeah, but you know what it's like having a week off now. Once you hit Wednesday, you're like fuck it, it's nearly over, isn't it? <laughs> I know, you, or, like I've been doing this week, we go. I better just check my emails because otherwise I'll just have a big pile of them to deal with when I go back. So it's. Um... <laughs> I don't know what it is. It's whenever I have a week off when I hit Wednesday, I'm like, that's it now. It's all gonna fucking swing by in a blur now. Monday and Tuesday seem to drag a little bit, but but once you hit Wednesday, you're like fuck, the week's gone. It's, it's not worth doing anything anymore. We should but, point out to the listener, we're, we're recording this on a Wednesday and therefore I now think the rest of the week's a write-off for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We shall see. We shall see. <laughs> awesome. I'm so disappointed in Cameron. 20 bucks says he's sitting in his car debating about whether or not he should go out. He'll keep calling me. He'll keep calling me until I come over. He'll make me feel guilty. This is, this is ridiculous, okay? I'll go, I'll go, I'll go, I'll go, I'll go, with, I'll go. Shit.
God damn it! Forget it. That's it. I, I like to end these with a little questionnaire. Um, you've done the Pivo ones, so I, me and Andy came up with some new ones on the fly. Hmm. So if, if you're happy to answer them. Yes, let's have a go. I shall find them too. So, good news. Hollywood's greenlit a movie of your life, and they've given you creative control, and they'd like to know the following things. So, question one. Will the film of your life be fact, fiction, or a mix of the two? So, I'm going to suggest it's going to be a mix of the two. Um, and I'm going to say beyond that as well, it's also going to be a mix of of live action and and animated. Nice. So I want you to think sort of um, Who Framed Roger Rabbit style in terms yep. of of the mix. That that's that's where I'm going with with this in my head. Okay. Yeah. Is Jessica Rabbit going to be an answer that comes up later? <laughs> no, I'm afraid not. It's, it, it gets worse than that. This remember okay. this was of my life. So that's good. Oh God, you've been reading Crumb. Oh no. <laughs> 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 All right. Um, question two. What genre is it? It's going to be a dark comedy. <laughs> stick with that as well. Yeah, I feel like I'm digging a hole for myself here, but let's um, yeah, let's let's go with that. <laughs> okay. right. Who's playing you? Um, I, I'm going to say Adam Scott. Okay. Um, actor from The Good Place or Parks yeah. and Rec, depending on on your, your choice. Though um, I, he's actually older than I thought he was. The so he he, he might have to. Look himself a little bit younger for playing some of the younger part of the, the life story. He's, he's got that Paul Rudd thing going on though, hasn't he? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah he's I, been here forever, but looks like he's only been around for 10 years. I, I Well, he's almost exactly the same age as me. I, I thought he was 10 years younger than me. So. <laughs> it's just like, okay. It's when you watch a 90s film and he pops up. There's a, one of those Adley, Ashley Judd thrillers that were popular in the late 90s, early 2000s that he pops up in. Yeah. I can't remember which one it is now. It's one of the army ones. <laughs> I know Morgan Freeman's in it, but that doesn't narrow it down. <laughs> yeah. But no, but I think I think he could play me. He did you know, you could grow the mustache at times if you wanted yeah. to and, and, and stuff. Yeah. All right. All right. Who's playing your love interest? Now it's either your real life partner or one that's made up for the purposes of the film. So this is where we go back to having the animated piece, right? Because within it we have the animated penguin. And the voice actor for that, for the purposes of this, is going to be, I think, should be Stephen Wright. Right. So this is, remember, this is based on my life story. So it's, it's, it's me with the penguin who is being very, very negative a lot of the time. In terms, or just very, very dry. It's the way he's going to be talking to me in terms of that. That's how I would say, whether that makes him a love interest. It's, um, but it, it's, 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 it's certainly going to be my, my primary partner in the movie. <laughs> Of me and the penguin. I also okay. talk because I always say this when I'm at cons and stuff, and people are talking about, oh, you know, what's the books about? And I always say, we do this and we do that, and I'm like, get to point says, there's no we in this. <laughs> it's me and the penguins. So who's the we here? So this is if, if we're going to do this as a life story, then then I think it needs to be that they come to life, and um, say have one of them voiced by Stephen Wright. As in the American comedian, not American the, uh, comedian, not, the, not, not yeah. Steve Wright, the radio DJ, not, not Steve Wright in the afternoon, <laughs> but no, but no, Stephen Wright, the um, yeah, the, the comedian and, and uh, 
voiceover from um, Reservoir Dogs, isn't it? Most most famously as well. Yes, he is. Of course, he is. The Behemoth. <laughs> All right then. Uh, who's directing the film? Well, I'm going to stick with the Roger Rabbit thing. I'll, I'll stick with Zemeckis as my. Um, he, he knows what he's doing in that in that vein, so that's probably as good a place as any. I don't know. He got into motion capture. That got a bit dodgy. <laughs> if you've ever seen Polar uh, Polar Express, <laughs> yeah, it's not the best anime. That it, it, it is that whole you know. What, there, there's good animation and there's 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 not. Sometimes you just, just to be fair, it was one of the early ones. He was still trying it out, so it, it yeah. feels a little bit dickish to put it up on it. It's just I like Tom Hanks, but there's faces in that film that give me nightmares. <laughs> <laughs> But as in my head, I'm still more seeing this as, as, as I say, the Who favorite. I want the, the animated penguins still to look like the penguin, you see, so that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, then, who's doing the score and or soundtrack? And that's a soundtrack as in, like, a artist doing the full soundtrack, like the Prince Batman soundtrack, or... So I had two in mind here, but the one I'm going to land with, I think, is They Might Be Giants. Nice. And if we can have a, have a sequence in the movie where um, we, we go to Turkey, just so we can have lots of confusion about the fact that I'm supposed to meet somebody in Turkey and then it's, is it in Istanbul or is it in Constantinople that we're meeting? <laughs> just just for that and that, that alone. So there we are. Well, yeah, doesn't even need to be the new songs for, for They Might Be Giants, but get, get them in and we'll, we'll, we'll do that. That's it. And they might be giants. Did the uh, music for the Mickey Mouse Clubhouse on Disney Junior? Yeah. So as as I found um, out from watching that a lot with my children, the hot dog song I highly recommend. <laughs> they've done done a lot of kids sign stuff as well, which is kind of bizarre. They were, I discovered them because of Malcolm in the Middle. Yeah. And obviously Birdhouse in Your Soul, everybody knew in the early nineties. Yeah. Um, but although I'd forgotten about that song until an episode of Pushing Daisies. <laughs> But, yeah. but, uh, but no, Istanbul is not Constantinople. It's, a, it's one of the, it's one of my favourite tracks of all time. That they do. Yeah, it is a great song. Um, <laughs> right, and finally, what's the title of the film? Uh, my life in three panels. Nice. Which is, is has been my my view with regard to what I would put as my my title to my autobiography for a while now. <laughs> so um, it might as well be the title for the movie as well. See, I always said my autobiography would be why does it burn when I pee? <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, that's just me. <laughs> it's a, well, it, you know, at least it opens up for, for sequels, which would be you know, <laughs> like life with penicillin. Um, <laughs> why does it burn when I pee again? <laughs> <laughs> why does it still burn when I pee? <laughs> that's weird. It didn't burn when I peed. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I presume. Oh, there's there's jokes in there, but I presume the soundtrack for that's going to be the cranberries. Or um... <laughs> anyway, <laughs> oh. oh, that better not be a tribute press comic in a few months. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Um, so what can people look out for from you? Obviously, Penguin is still. So Penguin is still still running. Um, if you want to go find me for that, um, also in I'm in the recently published um, anthology from that comic Smell, their number number two anthology. Uh, I have a few pages in that, and it's uh, it's a, a good book from everybody that, that's involved in that. Yeah, we talked about that. I had Tom Stewart on the last episode. We were talking about on that. 
Cool. Much. I loved your uh, King of the One-liners. And... Everyone seems to love that line, uh, that one page, which is great. That uh, was um, it took me a while to work that one out. <laughs> so, <laughs> but I also thought it was a really nice sort of referential tribute to myself. But <laughs> a bit, I thought, am I being a bit rude here about saying I'm I'm because I'm not the King of the One-liners? But you know, but being able to draw a whole comic page just with one line, um, I. It, with everything that I did for that anthology, I tried to use different techniques and different things that I wouldn't normally do. So as I say, that that whole thing of trying to draw a comic page just with one line was was an interesting challenge um, yeah. to just just put it out there as as that. I love the the final page in the book as well, where it's nothing yeah. but words. And yeah. It's just all the how to deal with panel borders and have the comic story told through panel borders instead. Again, but just a just a way of trying to do something different in, in terms of how to approach the medium, um, which is just a bit of fun. So yeah, so that's that's sort of about just now for me. And uh, that reminds me, I saw a T-shirt that keeps popping up on my Facebook timeline that I thought would be good for both my wife and your wife. That uh, behind every dad <laughs> joke, there's a woman wondering where it all went wrong. <laughs> Yeah, if you could send me the link for that, I, 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 I certainly know somebody who would. Uh, <laughs> My wife and your wife rocking up at cons in the same t-shirt. <laughs> I think that, that's probably fair. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> she, she does have a couple of penguin t-shirts to herself. That one of which she wears to um to her slimming club, which is the whole one about um the, the penguin going. You know, it's you know. You know, the heavier you are, the harder you are to kidnap. Therefore, I, therefore, I'm eating cake for safety. Um, that's um, yeah. But I'm sure she'd be quite uh, equally happy to say yes. I'm suffer long time sufferer of of the dad jokes. Yeah, unfortunately. But yeah, no, that's so that's me. It's beyond that. It's just to say, daily strips continue for um for at least another eleven months as we slowly work towards our tenth anniversary. A few more never on anything guest spots coming up. I yeah, a couple of those. So we're we're still recording in NIA, um, where I mean, we've covered all sorts of subjects over the last couple of years. Can't believe it's been running for two years. Um, <laughs> but yeah, two years or the, the time at the moment doesn't really count. Um, one of the kids across the, the road from me, I looked at the, the the office window the other day, and the banners were up saying that it was a two year old, you know, the second birthday party. And I was like, no, no, you just just brought them home from hospital <laughs> the other week. There, that that's there's no way that that's right. But no, it literally is just see no concept of time since we yeah. start all this working from home stuff. Um, but uh, no, another ironing continues. Um, I think Tony's going to plan for um for the year ahead in terms of doing some different uh, slightly different approach with regard to how we might pick the books that we look at that gives us a little bit of structure for for a 12 month period which cool. will be a, a different way of doing it yeah but yeah, yeah uh, I, I do enjoy those i enjoy them even if i've not read the books <laughs> sometimes i'm like should i listen to this until i've read the book and then other times I'm like yeah just <laughs> i think you come at it yeah, and look, you're either choo- choosing a book that's 30 years old and therefore you're kind of going yeah. to, if there's spoilers, I'm sorry. Um, well, I think the same with this. You have to assume the people have read the book or seen the film the kind film. of thing. Yeah. Um, and, we, you know, it's about picking out why, why it matters. Why is it something, you know, certainly over the last couple of years where there's books I've picked out that I'm like, this is a forgotten gem. Yeah. 
that you know so when i when i picked out gregory by mark hempel which i hadn't uh, you know totally totally had read before and um waradle the the enemy ace book which i still think is probably one of the best comics i've ever read um yeah it doesn't get an awful lot of of airtime in terms of that and it's currently out of print for reasons that only dc can answer um <laughs> dc really fucking annoy me with their books it's like it's available it's available it's available it's gone so uh, just keep them available why do you have to keep deleting them i get with the ones where the license changes but well it's a character you own which is enemy you know like enemy ace particularly as you say we'll just put, make it available digitally somewhere so, if that's you know there's superman you know. stores that shouldn't be so difficult to track down it's like they yeah. re-released that Man of Steel omnibus, and I was going to start buying them because I've got mm. all of them in paperback, but I missed one, and it costs so much to actually buy that one individual paperback that it's just going to be cheaper to rebuy them in hardback. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like it's available, it's available, it's gone for fuck's sake. Then it pops yeah. back up again for a little while, and I'm like I can't justify pulling the trigger on it at the minute. <laughs> I'll just get it'll be. It's never there when I've got again. the money. Yeah. <laughs> But, and they've so, added nothing new to it, because that's the other annoying thing. So they put them out in these nice hardbacks and then put fuck all new in it. They don't even print them on nice paper a lot of the time. <laughs> yeah, no, if it's, if it's the reprint hardback stuff now, I'm, I'm, I'm not even bothering anymore. Yeah. It. I still really want to get that, um, the DC Who's Who omnibus. I well, used to love reading those as a kid. But. And volume two of it's on the way solicited. Yeah. So yeah, volume one is beautiful to look at. Um, so volume one is all the basically Perez Wolfman yeah year one. Well, volume two is all the ones that I actually remember more the first time around, which were the loose leaf ones. Yeah. Um, which <laughs> I guess have I ordered the omnibus? Yes. Do I have all the loose leaves in the in the loft? Yes. <laughs> I, you know, but yeah, that's... yeah but it's different having it actually as a book on the shelf in many ways <laughs> isn't it? but my thing as well with superman is that i want to once i've got things sorted and i can get to my comics a bit more easily i want to go through and start plugging all the gaps in my superman run from 86 to around the time mike carlin left being the editor yeah so around the time superman turned into superman blue mm. and went all electric for the late 90s because you know techno i guess uh, <laughs> As I say, you, you really need to go back to 1979, though, and get the Superman mix and match storybook so that you can create your own or create one of 200,000 combination stories. <laughs> yeah, I, I like the thing of trying to get the pictures so they make something slightly rude. <laughs> oh, well, I posted one of those to the slide already, so that was... <laughs> I know that that was the good first hour of you having the book. Yeah, how do that? Oh, oh, what do we do with that? Which right, I found the corkscrew. Now. What do we do? Which is the one that goes best with the corkscrew? Because it makes no sense for it to be there otherwise. You know they deliberately put it there for that reason. They know what uh, kids are like. They know what grown adults are like. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. Anyway, by the way. <laughs> awesome. Uh, where can people find you online, Penguin, and all that stuff then, if, uh, if indeed you want people to find you online? If you want to find me online, just search for at Penguin. Um, that's P E N E D G U I N on essentially any form of social media, and you'll find me um, in one form or another through that. Awesome. 
cracking. Well, cheers for doing this, man. And cheers for giving me the excuse oh, to rewatch Ferris Bueller as well. I really enjoyed yeah. it. So, good. One of these, I've quite liked this recently. So it's been a good excuse to rewatch some films. So. I, I certainly enjoyed this considerably more than I enjoyed watching The Shadow again. <laughs> <laughs> I did promise I'd make it up to you eventually. <laughs> That's why I thought I needed something as far away from the shadow as possible. <laughs> oh dear. So, I don't think there's any connection to the shadow, so no, I don't think we no. can swing it back around to that. So <laughs> we'll end this before we dive back into the shadow. <laughs> okay. Awesome. Cheers, Alan. Yep. I said it before and I'll say it again. Life moves pretty fast. You don't stop and look around once in a while. You could miss it. That was Ferris Bueller's Day Off. And why not? I'd like to thank Alan for joining me on this episode to talk about the film. Be sure to check out Penguin online. I'll put all the links in the show notes. Uh, If you enjoyed this episode and you can be bothered to do so, please give the episode a, a share and tell your friends about it. And why not give the series a follow or a subscribe on, over on Acast or wherever you listen to this episode. Uh, or don't, it's up to you. Uh, if you've missed any And Why Not episodes so far, you can find them on our podcast channel over on Acast or on our website at hauntednerds.com or we have an And Why Not list over on Letterboxd for people who enjoy uh, looking at lists on there. Uh, there's only one more episode to go after this one before we take a short break. Uh, but fear not, because for 10 weeks over the summer, starting on the 7th of June and running until the 16th of August, with a week's break in the middle of the 10, uh, I'll be joined by a series of guests to talk about some of the 80s and 90s best action movies. And Taffin. More info on that coming soon. But before that, why not join us back here in two weeks for another movie chat, when I'll be joined by the mighty Damien Edwardson to talk about a man dressed up like a bat in Tim Burton's Batman. So until next time, this has been a Nose Who Haunted Themselves production, and I've been Stuart Moraine. Thanks for listening, and remember, you can't take the mileage off by driving backwards. Bye for now. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go.